Barnes here in the WCIA 3 studios. Andy Olson riding back from Bloomington. He's got his Bluetooth in on the phone. Andy, how was your first experience at Assembly Hall watching an IU basketball game? I think the very first thing that I noticed is probably what uh, what everyone notices when they go into Assembly Hall, which is just how tall the place is. I think everyone has an experience of watching Assembly Hall on TV with, I mean, how big Indiana basketball is. So you have no sense of what it's actually like in there. And I know I'm preaching to the choir for people who have been there, who have, who have done that. But as a first experience, it was super cool. I'm was sad that there weren't 15,000 fans in all those seats cheering uh, cheering on the game because it was a really good game. Uh, it, it's hard to, you know, wrap my mind around everything that happened because just because it was, it was such a long game and so much happened. But uh, super cool experience uh, at Assembly Hall. Hopefully next time I'm there, there'll be some fans in the stands too. That would be wonderful. I think we can all agree on that. If you haven't been over to Assembly Hall, it's a, certainly a bucket list item for basketball fans. And when you walk in the lobby, there is so much history, the banners, everything else. I know WCIA 3 Chief Meteorologist Kevin Lighty, who's a huge Indiana fan, by the way. It was so torn during the 10 o'clock newscast. The, the game was running late. He was trying to do his weather, watching the game and everything else. But uh, he's as big of a Hoosier fan as you're going to find. And, and he certainly, you know, raves about assembly hall and, and what it is he always calls it the fir- the true assembly hall after uh you know state farm center got its name and and the naming rights to go along with that and all the money illinois got but you know they used to battle about which assembly hall was better before uh, yeah state i wonder farm if we're, i was wondering if we were going to out him like that since you know he works <laughs> oh, yeah, in champagne absolutely. but <laughs> yeah i have no problem outing kevin lighty it's uh it's, <laughs> it's what i love to do best no we're good buddies and good friends and uh, it's all it's all in good fun out of that but uh, Illinois goes into Indiana and picks up a win at Assembly Hall for the first time since 2010. So 11 years ago since they've done that, 75-71. It took overtime to do it. It took 54 fouls to get it done. Andy, what what did you make about just how long the game took and how many whistles we saw? You knew we were in a, in a bad spot when I, I can't remember if it was the first field goal. It may have been the second, the Trent Frazier technical. You knew we were in a bad spot when that got called. You're like, oh, boy, we're just going downhill from here. And then there was the, the review of that. That took forever. And then we had some clock issues. Uh, it really bogged down the very beginning of that game. It's nice that it, got, it really got picked up later. And, of course, it took even longer with the overtime. Uh, but really slow. I mean, you saw so many fouls. It was hard to believe that Indiana you know, was shooting two for the entire uh, last 10 minutes of the second half and every time they got fouled. Um, a little bit of a sloppy game, and I know that Brad Underwood won't be happy with that. But, you know, it was sloppy on both sides. Illinois, or Indiana got called for just as many as Illinois did. And I, I know there were some things that fans weren't very happy with some calls, uh, one of them being Io's fifth foul, his final one, uh, that charge he got called for. Uh, but, you know, it was kind of going both ways. And you hate to, to, as just a neutral basketball fan, you, you don't like that much ref interference. But if it wasn't significantly swayed towards someone, that's all you can ask for when you're going to have that many fouls in a basketball game. Yeah, and Indiana actually had two more fouls called against them than Illinois. Yeah. So, you know, I just think it was sloppy on both ends. And the, the clock stuff was just made it so choppy there. The first half took an hour and 15-plus minutes. 
you know, and, and the game itself was almost a three-hour game, and, and that should never happen in a basketball game. I, I understand there was overtime in that, but even if there wasn't overtime, it, it was still a two-plus-hour, a two-and-a-half-hour game that just seemed to drag there, especially in the second half, because all things considered, defense was not played very well in the first half, and Brad Underwood said that, that he, he challenged his team at halftime. I thought the flow of the game was a lot better, though, in the first half. You being there at the stadium and at the arena, how, how did you sense it? change in the second half honestly I, I felt like the flow was was better in the second half i mean you had those kind of clock stoppages and the text called in that first half um but it, i guess it did get a little bit choppy like like you mentioned at the very end of the second half but in any close basketball game I, you see that with you know the fouls because the team is down uh, the timeouts as you're trying to draw up some plays and things like that. Uh, but for a good majority of the second half, I felt things were flowing pretty well. I was telling you before we started, I don't know if it showed on TV, but to start the second half, uh, whoever was keeping time started the clock before it was inbounded. So they inbounded the very start of the second half at 1955. So they had to call it back and, and, and redo that. So <laughs> there were some clock issues, but I think, the, the game found its flow in that second half until the very end when you had your normal basketball timeouts and when it's a close game. And then, of course, the overtime and the, you know, the Illinois defense came up huge during that part of the game. And maybe that's one of the reasons why Indiana was having such such a problem scoring was because they couldn't really get into a rhythm and Illinois just took advantage of that. It's hard to tell, you know, at this point, as someone who was also focused on trying to make a deadline, but, you know, I can definitely see that having an impact on the Hoosiers, and Illinois maybe just handled it better than they did. Indiana only has one field goal in overtime. They were one for four, just uh, seven for 21 in the second half. And so overall, 32% out of that after shooting 48% in the first half. So give credit to Illinois' defense for switching it around there. And Indiana only had uh, two field goals. I had them in the last eight-plus minutes of the game, including overtime. And so... You know, I think it's part of Indiana getting cold at the end, but I think you got to give a lot of credence to Illinois there. But let's start with the fouls, and you mentioned the Trent Frazier uh, technical at the beginning <laughs> of the game and, and how that might have changed some things or at least set the tone early. Here's Brett Underwood on the fouls as a whole, and I thought he did a pretty good job uh, just talking about fouls after we heard Fran McCaffrey last Friday just completely shut down the media. Here's Brad talking about what Trent said to the Indiana bench and the officiating as a whole. Uh, Trent hollered cash after he hit it and said he taunted. So I, you know, they, they, they teed him and, um, you know, again, you have to adjust every single night to how the game's being officiated and, and uh, uh, we've got to do a better job of that. And, uh, but it was, you know, it kept them in it, um, you know, holding them to two field goals in the last, whatever it was, 14 minutes or whatever, 11 minutes. Um, you know, it was just a parade to the free throw line. We got to be better at, at, at not fouling in those situations and to understand how the game's being called. And I agree with him there. Uh, it's just about adjusting, and, and we talked about it in India. I thought the fouls were pretty even. If, if Indiana's the home team and they have two more fouls whistled against them, then I don't know how any fan base on either side can really be upset about it. It's just I'm more mad that the, the refs seem to dictate so much of the game instead of letting them play, but... Uh, you know, overall, I, I thought this is a gutsy win for Illinois. And most importantly for me, Andy, it was on the defensive end, like Brad mentioned there. 
you know, a, a part of this team that we've questioned at certain times and, and how tough can they be down the stretch? You know, I, th I th thought they rose to the occasion. Yeah, let me first start with, before I get to that, I want justice for Trent here by just yelling cash when he made a three. If yeah, I hit a three in a, in, a, in a basketball game, I'm going to yell him things way worse than cash. That's so innocent. And I don't want to be the guy that's covering Illinois and, and just saying that. But if any if any guy says cash, I mean, that's just your natural reaction. Uh, but, you know, speaking of trends, I remember there was a play very early in the second half that I think was – you know, speaks dividends to just his impact on the team. I mean, they're down seven at halftime. You know, they need something big coming out at the locker room. And he was able to, to get his steal, go full court with it, and hit the tough layup on the other end. And they, he was the guy that they really leaned on late in this game. You mentioned a grinded out team win. It wasn't very pretty. He had two guys foul out. Georgie, who had really come on in the second half and was playing some good minutes. He had a big three in the corner very early in the second half, just like Trent Steele and layup. And then Io, your very best player, your All-American fouls out as well. You have to play all of overtime without your best player, and yet you still come out on top. And that's because, like you mentioned, Brett, I mean, that that team defense, that, that grinded out, and that, I don't want to just use the buzzwords, but that's really what they did. I mean, they weren't, they didn't have their best player. That's all they could do. They had to get those stops. They had to really focus up and make sure they weren't giving anything up to the Hoosiers. And you got to give credit to them. That's exactly what they did because that was the only way they could have won. Uh, and Andre Curbelo had a huge game as well. The freshman showed me a lot. He showed me a lot all season. But the way that he was able to to run that offense when they didn't have their best player, because uh, you can't just give it to Io in crunch time when he's fouled out. You have to come up with different ways to score, and that's exactly what they did. They did it on both ends, and this was as, as big of a Big Ten win and probably as any of them so far this year based on the circumstances. Cabello goes for 12 points, five rebounds, four assists, continues to be one of the Big Ten leaders in assists per game, only one turnover. We'll talk about his pass here coming up at the end of the game that really sealed the deal. Uh, but overall, Trent Frazier tying a game high with 19 points along with Trace Jackson Davis, who also had 19. Kofi Coburn, another double-double. That's his 12th this season. 16 points, 10 rebounds. Ayo Dusumu with just 10 points. I believe all those were in the first half, Andy. 211, like you mentioned, his struggles uh, from the field. And that was pretty much it for Illinois. Jacob Grandison with five. Adam Miller, one for six, had that early three, and that was it. Four points for him. Five for Georgie, who was really good in the plus-minus today, but uh, doesn't make a big impact in the scoring column, fouling out. And then DeMonte Williams with four points. TJD leads Indiana with 19. Race Thompson with 18. Uh, Al Durham, 13. Armand Franklin with 11. Rob Finnessy does not score and fouls out. I think that was a key for them in this game. And really, Armand Franklin not playing very well late was also key for me. But I, for, I just think it all circles back to this defense. And for Illinois to come in and on the road, and granted, yes, the defense, er, the road factor is not as much this year. And I, I, that's fair assessment to make. If this place would have had 15-plus thousand there, maybe that's not how it rolls out late. But that's not the case. You still got to go on the road and win games, and Illinois was able to do that. And Brad talked after the game just how much uh, takeaway he has from his defense tonight. For us to get where we need to go, we have to be like we were in the second half. And uh, this team can be elite because of DeMonte Williams, because of Jacob Grandison, because of Georgie, the way he played tonight. Um, Curbelo, Adam Miller has turned into an elite on-ball defender. I mean, we've got him on fantasy. 
uh, in the second half. And, and uh, you know, you throw Trent Nio out there, and all of a sudden, you know, you got some guys who are very capable of guarding. So it's just, it's just putting that chemistry together. And that's what they're able to do tonight in the 75-71 overtime win. Uh, let's get to a couple things that stood out to you, Andy. For me, I'll, I'll start here, and that's the Andre Curbelo pass, obviously. I, I'm sitting there watching the game here, ready to go on the news, and he, he makes that pass, and you just you start to wonder, and you know, I don't know how it looked in person, but you just think, how does he see these angles? I mean, it's incredible what he's able to do as a true freshman. Yeah, I mean, the kid is something else. He he has been such a revelation for this team this year. I think most people were expecting Adam Miller and his scoring ability, especially after those first couple of games and that uh, MTE that Illinois hosted to begin the season. I think that maybe they thought Adam was going to be the, the better of the two freshmen, but Adam's had his struggles, and that's fine. Freshmen go through that, but Andre has just been such a revelation for the team, like I said. Being able to, to see those kinds of passes, and again, you know, he's not, he doesn't have that outside touch that maybe Adam or Io has, but the way that he's able to handle, the way that he's able to, to, like you said, find those passes that we don't even know what he sees and how he was able to find that. It's just, you can't teach that. I mean, that's just an ability that he was born with. And that is such, such a valuable thing to have for Illinois. And I hope he, he plays all four years in the orange and blue because he is going to be – I am so excited to watch him develop because this is him just as a freshman. Imagine what he's going to look like with some experience under his uh, under his belt, Brad. He's a playmaker, and I think the thing that I, I like the most, Andy, is just his confidence. He has yeah. so much confidence in his game and his teammates, and he even said afterwards that – he even thinks he may have more confidence in his teammates than they have in themselves, and you just don't hear that from true freshmen. Here's Andre Curbelo breaking down that last pass to Kofi that he laid up, or uh, that he went in for a dunk that really sealed the game. One of the greatest things was, you know, just the core vision that I have, and and you know, I saw Kofi. Uh, I trust him. I gave it to him. I knew he was going to get it. Um, I know at the beginning of the year he was struggling a little bit. Uh, but you know that that don't matter. Um, I have confidence in my own teammates. Um, I'll even say I'm more confident than they have in themselves. I I love them. They're my brothers, so I trust them. And and I just gave it to him. I saw him open. I didn't see nobody tagging. Uh, so I just gave it to him. Bounce pad. I'm undersized guard, so I just got low to the ground. Bounced it as low as I can and as hard as I can. So he bounces really hard and comes up to you know waist um level. And that's why he did. He caught it. Dunked it, and you know that was that was game right there. You just don't hear true freshmen talking like that very often, and you don't see true freshmen making big time plays like that very often, at least not in Illinois' history. Uh, Curbelo, like I mentioned, four assists tonight, averaging five and a half now in Big Ten play. That only trails Michigan's Mike Smith, who has five point eight uh, per game, and that's for all players in the Big Ten. He's, he's doing some big-time things, and, and I think he certainly is a four-year candidate to play here at Illinois, and I think he's going to win over a lot of Illini hearts when his time is done here and what he's going to be able to do. Andy, what's another thing that stood out to you uh, being at Assembly Hall tonight? I mean, takeaway? just the, the impact that Kofi Coburn can have on this team is so, so it's hard to, to even see it happening sometimes. For me, and Brad talked about this earlier in the month that, you know, the, the, the 
day of the big man is gone outside of the Big Ten. So when you have one that is so impactful like Kofi, sometimes you know it's hard to see in the way that he that he can impact that game. Brad talks in his in his press conference after this Indiana game about how he really had to challenge Kofi at halftime. I mean, Trace Jackson Davis was having such a good game going after him down low in the paint. And, you know, he had a couple of emphatic dunks over Kofi that I'm sure did not sit well with him. And, and you know, he ended up having the last laugh. He had the final dunk that, that put Illinois out of reach over Indiana. And that just is a testament to the, the way that he kind of came into the game and got his feet underneath them and was able to to end up winning that that war maybe he didn't win every battle but he went right up to trace jackson davis who is one of the best players in the country and he was able to 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 stick it to him and you know to me sometimes i think his impact on this team gets lost and he really showed again today you know how big he is for for illinois and how important he's going to be and how far they end up going and you can argue here i think andy that Kofi will win this first team, you know, battle over Trace Jackson Davis. I don't think because you, you're going to have Luca Garza in there as well. I don't think you're going to have Kofi and TJD on the first team All Big Ten. Uh, Kofi won that the first time around back in Champaign, and when you compare the numbers today, Kofi plays 38 minutes, uh, TJD plays 40, uh, Trace goes six for 18 from the field, and Kofi goes seven for 15. So the numbers are very comparable there. Uh, they both. Or TJD had 14 rebounds, Kofi had 10, 16 points for Kofi, 19 for Trace. So the numbers are very close and comparable there. And, you know, I, I think when we look back on these two, I would say Kofi got the upper hand, really, in both games. When Kofi wants to be dominant, and we saw it a couple times there in the second half, when he just went after the rim, there was nobody better on the court, on a big man, than Kofi Cobra and you could possibly say in the country on that when when he wants to be dominant when he's aggressive and asserts himself um, you know I just I don't think there's anybody better than him and and uh, you know you can see it in the arena too when he gets that look on his face he is something else yeah he just takes over a game sometimes and he he'll do it and then you won't even realize it until he already has double digit points it's like, wow, all right, it, it really hits it quick how, how, how he can just take over that game. And, you know, sometimes maybe people don't, maybe I don't realize it because he's not the one with the ball usually. I mean, he just gets, he takes the pass and he just goes right to the rim. And like I said, that, that style of basketball isn't as prevalent in the country as it is in the Big Ten right now. But like you said, when he wants to take over a game, he will, and he'll do so easily. And that, that proved to be the case again in the second half against Indiana. Big time win for the Illini, who have uh, just taken another step towards being in contention in the Big Ten, stay in second place, 12-5 and five now overall, 8-3 and three in the Big Ten, and it's gut check time for Indiana, 9-8, and 4-6 and six in the Big Ten now, and I was looking at their schedule with uh, Lighty a little bit earlier because as a Hoosier fan, he's freaking out a little bit here and <laughs> saying maybe the Archie era is over and all this kind of stuff. They've got a tough slate here at the end and and it's tough for every team but you know they've they've got games uh left against michigan they play iowa next on sunday after beating the hawkeyes on their home court you know iowa's going to come out ready for that game uh they got purdue again they haven't beat purdue in forever and and some tough matchups left for the indiana hoosiers but it's all up from here for illinois uh winning another game and another big time game on the road 
Andy, hope you enjoyed the trip, man. Safe travels back. It's been fun chatting, and uh, we'll see you soon. Yep, it was a good time, and uh, like I said at the very beginning, I'm excited to see that place with 15,000 in there. All right, good stuff. Another win for Illinois in the positive column, 75-71 in overtime over Indiana. For Andy Olson, I'm Brett Behrens. Thanks for listening to the 3A1 podcast. Be safe, be well, and we'll catch you next time. Oh, uh-huh.